Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus our Savior. Amen. We're going through the uh, Old Testament appearances of Jesus Christ in the days and ancient days of the Old Testament. Before he took on flesh and the Virgin Mary to be our Savior, Jesus, of course, is from everlasting to everlasting, right? Called the Ancient of the Days. His origin is from of old, from days of eternity. And so Jesus has been operating in this world through which... Uh, you know, it was made through him. He's been operating from the beginning. And we've seen him so far appear in the Old Testament to, Hag to Abraham, to Hagar, to Jacob, to, ba to Moses, last week to Balaam. This week he's going to appear to Joshua uh, on the road uh, by Jericho. Now, who was Joshua by way of introduction? Joshua was the successor of Moses, a good friend of Moses. He was the new commander of Israel, the leader of God's people. And uh, remember way back when they were spying out the land and they sent up the spies to check out the promised land, most of the spies came back and gave an evil report. We can't go up, the giants are up there. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, there are giants, but the Lord's with us, we can take them. And so Joshua uh, was blessed of the Lord to be uh, you know, to be one of those who will enter the promised land. The others who brought an evil report were wiped out. And so Joshua was also on the mountain with Moses when he receives the Ten Commandments and all the words about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Moses was there. And when, Mo when Moses is coming down and they have the golden calf, Joshua asks, what is this sound of shouting? It's not the sound of war. You know, and they find out, uh, Moses tells them what it is. And so now Moses has just died, been taken by God, and he is the new commander of Israel. And here in this passage, he meets Jesus. That's pretty special. He's newly the commander. And the context is here is the 40 years in the wilderness have passed. The people of Israel have now gone across the Jordan River. Just imagine, these are the waters. They walk right across on dry ground. All the men are circumcised because they didn't circumcise when they're in the wilderness. And then they have the Passover feast and now they're ready for war. And the rest of Joshua's life is war. And there are armies after armies and kings after kings to be conquered. And he's the new guy in charge. How would you feel if you're facing a situation like that? Well, let's read about what happens and what, uh, what occurs in this particular passage in Joshua chapter... Five, just read the passage where Jesus appears to him. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but as commander of the army of the, of the Lord, of Yahweh, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord bid his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, put off your shoes from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Who is this guy that appears to him? We just said, Jesus. How do we know it's Jesus? Well, he appears. How does he appear? What's he holding in his hand? A drawn sword in his hand. What did we just read last week in Numbers? Chapter 22. When Balaam's going along amongst the, the vineyard, we read in uh, verse 23, 
It says, And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So is this the same guy? Absolutely. And what sermon by Pastor Greg is complete without the drawn sword? Right? This sword is, I mean, notice it is a drawn sword. And the angel of the Lord is standing by there before Joshua like this, ready for battle. I mean, it's not in its sheath. It is out and ready for fight. And so we know that this is the angel of the Lord Jesus um, because of how it appears here with, uh, with Balaam. Also, uh, because what does the angel say? He says, put off the shoes from your feet for the place upon which you stand is holy. What's that? That's going back to when the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the angel of the Lord, appeared to Moses at the burning bush. So there's two reasons we know it's Jesus. Another reason we know it's Jesus is because the angel here actually identifies himself. Uh, Joshua comes up to him and says, basically, friend or foe, are you our ally or are you against us? Because I see that you're ready for war. And I love the answer here, neither. I'm not your ally, I'm not, against, I'm, I'm not your adversary, but I am your commander. Isn't that a great word? You know, and that's who he is. He's the commander of the army of Yahweh, of the Lord. So that is a, a beautiful word to speak to us that it is Jesus Christ who is here appearing to him. Now, uh, this is a very strange meeting, I think, because what is Jesus' name in Hebrew? Joshua, Yeshua, right? So here you have Joshua meeting Joshua. Isn't that interesting? Joshua in the Old Testament is actually a, an, an image, a preview of what Jesus is going to be in the New Testament. And so you here have the real McCoy Jesus meeting the, the sort of warm-up, you know, uh, appetizer Jesus, right? And so what Joshua is going to do in his life is to be, his name, by the way, means God is Savior, Jehovah saves. Um, his purpose is to conquer the promised land and lead the people and what is Jesus's, what did Jesus come to do? To conquer and to lead his people to the promised land and their inheritance. That's you, right? In fact, we're not wrestling and fighting though against people like Joshua did in his day in the small. We're wrestling against angels and demons and fallen principalities and such and, and uh, in the heavenly places. So Joshua and all those things happen here in the Old Testament pointing forward to a super superlative reality that we're living in under the greater Joshua, Jesus. So here, J Joshua meets Joshua. Joshua meets Joshua. And so I want to ask this question. Why? Why did Jesus do this? Wasn't he already with the people of Israel? Right? He was already before them. His story was already drained in his hand. Why did he appear? It was obviously, was it for Jesus' benefit? So he could look in the mirror? No. The purpose was for Joshua, right? It was for, and so just picture, what was Joshua feeling like at this point in his life? I mean, he's faithful, he's been in war before, but he's never been commander. Uh, Moses has always been the, the chief guy. And now he is freshly in charge. He knows he's got army after army after army and five kings here and more kings over there and they're all needed to be fought with giants in the land and fortified cities. How would you feel? Yeah, I'd be pretty afraid, even, even as Joshua. This great burden is too heavy for me. Even Moses said that at one point. This burden is too heavy for me. 
You know the wonderful word here we get first off from Jesus is, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. I come as the commander of the armies of Yahweh, of the Lord. And so that's a beautiful word for us, I think. Number one, that Jesus says to us through this passage, you don't have to worry about all the responsibility I place upon you because I'm your commander. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to teach you what you are to do. And in fact, that's exactly what happens, right? In the next chapter, Joshua chapter 6. Notice uh, right after this ha happens, it says, Now Jericho was shut up from within and without because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given into your hand Jericho with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city and all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days, etc. Then blow trumpets, shout, and the walls will come down. So if you're Joshua, you're like, hmm, what should I do? Oh, this is nerve-wracking. No, no, you don't have to worry. I come as commander. And I'll tell you exactly what you're to do. This is what you're to do. Does that comfort you, this word at all? That God is your leader? That you don't have to worry about how to get to heaven? You just have to follow what he says and believe in him? You know, sometimes I, I think of myself as a pastor. I'm like, how could I be a pastor? And oh, the burden of the people, even though I only have a small church. You know, and I think, how can I do And then the commander of the army of Israel comes to me as well. I don't see him like Joshua did, but he comes to me and he says, Greg, all you got to do is simply read them this word with a little explanation. <laughs> right? That's really all I got to do as a pastor, even though I bear the, the weight of, of, of responsibility as a leader here. God really says, I'm going to be leading the people. You're just going to do what I say. And all you need to do is read my word, hear me, and tell them what is written here with a little explanation along the way, and help them to live it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It takes a lot of the weight of the burden off, right? Same thing with you. And you're wondering how you're going to find your way through life. The commander of the army of Israel comes and says, I will lead you through this life. That's what he does, right? Amen? Amen. God's going to lead you to heaven. You don't have to find your own way. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Stick with me, kid. No one's going to come to the Father except through me. Follow me. Cling closely to me. Believe on me. Repenting of your sins. Believing on my, on my work to save you from your sins. And follow what I say. Namely, love one another. Right? These are, this is the way to heaven. So that's number one. Number two, we learn here that Jesus comes to fight for us. And he comes as the commander of the armies of Yahweh. Who is that? The armies of the Lord. You might think he's saying, I'm in the command of the armies of the people of Israel. And that's true, right? But really, this word occurs in the Bible, Lord of hosts. You ever hear that? Lord of hosts. It occurs uh, a lot of times. I don't know where I wrote it. But a lot, it's a lot of times. Many times. And that word for hosts is tzava, which means armies. Whenever you hear Lord of hosts in the Bible, that means he's the Lord of armies. What armies are we talking about here? Not, not just armies of people, although that's good too. The armies of angels, right? The elect angels. And so when Joshua was afraid here, he's getting ready to go, if he is afraid, he's getting ready to, to go and attack Jericho. What does he have is someone comes and says, I'm not here as your ally. I'm not here against you. I'm here with the armies of Israel and we're going to lead <laughs> and give it into your hand. That's a cool thing, isn't it? Remember the old West movies where you have always had that typical scene where you have the, uh, 
the wagons in a circle and the homesteaders and the, they're all fighting off the, the savage Indians and they're almost upon them and all hope is lost. We're almost out of ammunition. We got 10 minutes left or two minutes left. And what do you hear in the distance? And you're like, we're saved. Reinforcements are here. The army's arrived, right? You ever feel like that in your life? Like you're in the, the wagons are in a circle. You're running out of ammunition. How am I going to face this, whatever I'm facing? Well, the commander of the army of Israel says, I come here as the commander of the armies of Israel. The reinforcements have arrived. I'm going to give the victory into your hand, and I come with the troops of heaven, right? The Lord of armies is our God. And in fact, we read in Revelation chapter 19, says, uh, John says, I behold, I saw a white horse. He who sat upon it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. This is Jesus. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems, many crowns. He has a name inscribed which no one knows but himself. He's clad in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he's called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, these are angels, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, followed him on white horses. From his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. He's king of kings and lord of lords, etc. So, in your present distress, or if you are surrounded and you feel like your wagon train is being attacked and you have nothing, no ammo left to face it, what hope do you have today? The commander of the armies of Israel, the reinforcements, are here to help you, right? That is the elect angels. Remember that scene in, in, uh, with Elisha in 2 Kings 6 where um, you know, the armies of Syria come to, to get Elisha because they're sick that he keeps knowing what the king says in his bedchamber and gives up all of, uh, all of the plots and schemes. Elisha says, you know, every time he whispers something over there in secret, I know it and I tell the king of Israel and he evades the armies of Syria. So he's like, let's get this guy. Sends his army down there to capture one man and the servant of Elisha gets up early in the morning, sees the army of men with horses and chariots around the city. Oh, no, master, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, says Elisha, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What do you mean? I don't see anybody. Opens his eyes. Oh, Lord, open, open his eyes. And then he opens his eyes, and the young man saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Who's that? Angels, these are the, the armies of heaven, elect angels. We're not down here on this wagon train by ourselves, friends. The cavalry is all around us and is there for, at the beck and call of the commander of the armies of Israel to defend you, right? Didn't Jesus say when he was about to be uh, you know, betrayed, don't you think that I could command and bring 12 legions of angel angels here? But nevertheless, I got to go and do what the Father has bid me to save the world. But he can command them, he commands them, and he commands them for us. And guess what? Jesus is walking before you with a sword that is drawn. It's not in its sheath, it's drawn, and he's ready to do battle to defend you and lead you in your battle. Do you fight as well? We're called to fight the good fight of the faith in this world, right? We're not called to get to heaven by just sit on our duff and let him sort of bring us there in the caboose. You know, we are called to conquer with the sword of the spirit, the word of God, putting on all the gospel armor. 
but we have the confidence that he is the commander of the armies of Israel. The elect angels are about us to deliver you. Do you believe that? You think there are angels in this very room today? We know the commander of the armies of the Lord is here because he says, wherever two are gathered, there I am. In. There I am. They're gathered in my name. Do you think there are elect angels? Where are you? Hmm. Gabriel, Michael, we know two of their names. Uh, but they are, you know what the Bible says in Revelation? The angels are numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Great and mighty angels like the ones at the tomb. Remember, they, they, they had the appearance like lightning and men just fell down before them when they saw them. So powerful are these. They're our friends. You know? They are, they're for us. In fact, they're, are they for us or against us? They're ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who are to obtain salvation. Hebrews 1.14. So, you got great things in your corner. You got the cavalry, friends. Let's not, let's stop being afraid about the things that we face. And in fact, uh, thirdly, Jesus here comes to assure Joshua of victory, right? I am here with power to deliver you and I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm, I've given it into your hand, he says. I have delivered it to you before you even fight. They're yours because I have the power. Just like he said in the gospel lesson today, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. What are serpents and scorpions, by the way? Real snakes and scorpions? No, demons, right? Jesus says, you know, even the demons are subject to you in my name. But rejoice that your names are in heaven. But we get to tread on those things. Even little puny, you know, mortal man gets to crush angelic fallen spirits under our feet because the commander of the armies of Israel, of Yahweh, puts them into our hand and gives us the power. Let's take hold of that power, church, that he has assured us of victory. And Jesus, John, uh, Paul says, always leads us in triumph and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. We're the aroma of life to life among those who are being saved and of death to death among those who are perishing. But he always leads us in triumph. Say always. always. And triumph. And the Lord, it says, delights in his people and he adorns the humble with victory. He adorns the humble with victory. He adorns his people with triumph. And so he has done this for you, especially all by himself as the greater Joshua. Amen? In the cross, he stood against Satan and all the angel hosts of the enemy by himself because he's commander of the armies of Israel and he slays them with the breath of his mouth. And he'll destroy the Antichrist by, the, by his appearing and his coming. And so never forget that our God is a God of compassion, gentleness, love, mercy, tenderness, quietness, but he's a God of war at the same time. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. He defends his people he leads his people. He gives us the victory in the forgiveness of our sins through his cross and resurrection. And so you are, a, you are a victorious people. Let's march out of here today singing those songs of victory with loud shouts of joy for the shout of a king is amongst them. Amen. In Jesus' name.